0: Welcome to episode 53 of Get Out of Rap and today is a, it's a first actually for Get Out of Rap it's with the first with a an international um, guest someone that I've got to know through the podcast joining me today from Amsterdam is Frank Saint-Etienne and Frank is the global workforce management process lead at Uber. Frank, Frank thanks very much for joining
1: us today. Thank you so much for having me, and I really like the fact that you really try to pronounce my name the French way. <laughs> uh, yeah, originally yeah, I'm French, and now based in Amsterdam. No, no problem. We I work at
0: um, BPA. We've got forty-three different nationalities, I think, um, and so that you know, the and having worked in Turkey, where people tried to pronounce my name correctly, I, I've always thought is something that we. We should do. I love the kind of global nature of our, of our industry. It's
1: brilliant. It is, yeah. I have to say I'm pretty used to uh, getting called Frank, <laughs> to be honest. It's like my, uh, my name for a very long time now. <laughs> so let's start at the, at the beginning. Um, you,
0: your kind of um, great position, Global Workforce Management Process Lead for uh, Uber's fantastic. fantastic. Wh- where did it all start for you in this industry?
1: So it started uh, around six years ago, I think. So I, I can rewind even a, a bit more. So yeah. I joined the, the military when I was uh, pretty young, just for two years uh, as, a, as a paratrooper. And after that, I just decided to take my backpack and travel around Europe and just, you know, a bit of freelancing work. Uh, I did also a bit of um, freelancing on a uh, web design, this kind of things. Uh, And at some point, I just arrived in Portugal uh, a few years ago, and I decided to stay and finally settle down. And at that time, I wanted to have a more steady job, steady income, and I joined, of course, a call center in Portugal, in Lisbon. It's a huge call center hub, international hub for uh, contact centers. And I started my career as an agent just for a few months. And then I got a position as real-time analyst, and from there, you know, just the full spectrum of wfm so rta capacity planner scheduler uh, etc in this bpo and at some point i got hired by booking.com in amsterdam to be one of the global capacity planner and kind of redesign the org we had for the partner facing organization that we call partner services um, so pretty much uh, WFM would apply to different channels, uh, account executives, account managers in different local offices all around the world. So uh, a bit different than normal WFM, I have to say. Uh, and then at some point I was hired by Uber to take care of a big part of their EMEA business. Wow,
0: I, I'm fascinated, That not it great the kind of journeys that people have um, been on in, con- in the call center, contact center world? You've gone from being a paratrooper, and I think you're probably, that's another first, you're probably the first paratrooper um, that you've had on, travelled and then um, now become like a WFM uh, subject matter expert. What was it about WFM that appealed to you or was was it more opportunistic than that in terms of that transition from agent
1: to going into workforce planning? I think it's a part of it was opportunistic, yes, and at the same time, uh, it was sold to me as very analytical, uh, very process oriented, uh, optimization, and and what we can do like on a day to day basis to really make sure that everything is working perfectly. It's a, it's a little supply chain uh, in, a, in in our contact centers, and I have to say I love yeah analytics. I love math. I was teaching myself also these kind of skills, uh, even when I was an agent or even when I was doing a bit of web design and, and web development. So for me, it was just a yeah natural evolution, I guess, of my skills, trying to do more, trying to um, yeah do more analysis, etc. And then of course, uh, this is where I, I stumble upon WFM, but at the same time, uh, it, it's a field that is so wide and at the same time, um, can be very exciting and that's why I think uh, that's why I stayed and then that's why I, I decided to continue my career in the in this field.
0: What are the elements that are exciting because I guess my background and I've got to know far more about WFM from doing this the, the podcast but my background's operations and I, th- and I know my relationship with people in WFM I'd get on with them on a personal level but I didn't quite understand they felt like they were stopping me doing some of the things I I wanted to do but I'm I'm open minded I'm really fascinated by the elements that um, you say are exciting what 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 are those
1: sorts of things I think the the most exciting part is that we can always find better ways to actually Do all this process around right Uh, it comes from forecasting, we can always have a a role to play there, uh, even if we do not do the forecast, for example, so we can have insights, we can have inputs uh, and then from a staffing perspective, we know what makes sense also uh, with operation, we can we can really have a very specific conversation about what makes sense from uh, hours of operation perspective or or the, the different LOB setup that we have in a specific market. Uh, so I think that's what excites me the most is like the, different, uh, the little differences between different markets and at the same time, kind of a central or global approach on those very defined processes that um, can apply kind of to everyone, but at, at the same time, we can really, tailored to specific countries and, and always improve. I think it's, uh, I really like the, this kind of graph of what is WFM, you know, it's this kind of um, big uh, big loop, big circle that, that starts, but it's always a process improvement, always. Uh, so I, I really like this. And I think um, it's, uh, you never can rest in a way. It's every week, every month, there will be something different that you need to integrate. And, yeah, that's exciting. It never, yeah. you never rest. You know, it's never complete. There's always something that. that needs to be uh, checked. I love that. This the idea of continuous
0: improvement. And was it, uh, um, you talk about kind of the different countries. Was it, was the first time that you were involved or leading WFM in, in a multilingual, you know, different geographical locations? Was that
1: Booking.com? That you've uh, so, At first, I was an RTA for, um, it was a Dutch airline company. And then after that, when I actually became a capacity planner and scheduler, then I was in charge, yes, of the booking.com account, yes.
0: And what are the different challenges that you face, whether either there or where you are now, when you have got sites in different countries, do you have to make
1: allowances for cultural
0: differences or...
1: Um, it's not that huge, to be honest. I, I think most of the the BPOs we are, um, I mean, uh, making business with, they, they know they are international. They uh, they know how to interact with us. We know how to interact with them. I, I really don't think there's a lot of uh, cultural differences, at least with their WFM team, their ops team, their management. Then on the ground, could be, of course, but it's it's not visible, to be honest. It's a very. Uh, we have the same kind of discussion with all our partners,
0: and we can't we can't talk about WFM right now without talking about the impact that the pandemic has had. Talk, talk me through that. What was that like? You know, when that first the magnitude of it was started to be realized, and you you had to make that transition from contact centers to the to home.
1: Uh, that was that was huge. <laughs> it it took us like uh, pretty much by surprise, like everyone else, I believe. Um, and I, I think we had the the chance to really have uh, a lot of support from uh, everywhere, like especially from from the global perspective, global teams, uh, to make sure that everyone is aligned. And then, pretty much from day one, we had big alignment daily with everyone from leadership team, extended leadership team, from the different regional leads to inform us of what is happening and keep us in touch, like kind of a war room pretty much like every day. Uh, and I think we were extremely fast in providing, at least for the BPOs, we provided ourselves uh, AWS access to uh, to the tools. So it was done very, very fast. Uh, that was not the main problem. I think the, the biggest challenge that we saw was from a uh, forecasting perspective and, and kind of have an idea of what is going to happen, right? Everyone was a bit mm-hmm. flying blind. I was like, okay, so what's going to happen? What is the optimistic scenario? What is the very bad scenario? Um, and how we will be able to uh, like check if our staffing is correct or not, uh, react to any little changes in lockdowns or things like that. And I, I think that was the, the biggest part, But we executed very quickly, uh, and we didn't have that much challenge in the end. So I think we ended that pretty well, to be honest. It's, well, it
0: sounds it. it. And for you, we were talking just before we started recording. It's like, like a lot of us, I guess. It's been about a year since you were back in the, in the office. What's your, how have you adjusted personally? What's your setup like at home? i imagine oh, you like
1: minority report you've got about 25 <laughs>
0: screens
1: no 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 I, I only have like two screens and technically the third screen of, of my laptop but uh yeah a little bit still quite of uh, a bit of real estate <laughs> <laughs> um now it was uh it was okay in a way because uh, i think that it was very, the company was very supportive of what we were doing. So we had also a lot of help from them, even financial help. We had a program that allowed us to get reimbursed for some of those uh, expenses, let's say, to make our home office. Uh, and I think the, the hardest part, especially in a, in a role where you interact with a lot of different stakeholders in different time zones, etc., is really to take breaks for yourself take breaks and and be really conscious of okay that's the end of the day or it should be the end of the day i really should disconnect i should close everything off uh, get out of my little office go to my couch and finally do something else and i think that's the the biggest problem this kind of where do you disconnect when do you take the day off pretty pretty much When, when do when your day starts and when your day ends uh, but you get used to it. At some point, you, you know that even some days I have some calls with a uh, different time zones. So maybe mm-hmm. it, they're gonna be a bit later in the day. So I will indulge and take a, a bigger break in the middle of the day, for example. So it's, it's something that you need to, to be very conscious about.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. Isn't it? Is there anything that um, has surprised you from a WFM perspective that you've learned as a result of the pandemic?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. I think, um, yeah, I think, uh, for example, we have uh, here in Uber, uh, something called the Green Light Hubs. So those are specific locations, like in-person location uh, in different cities where the driver partners, delivery partners, they can go and they can receive support, uh, in-person support. And I think, uh, we thought uh, for a long time, maybe, that this was very hard to uh, deal with in a COVID situation. Right? If we need to close right. those offices, what do we do for those drivers? What do we do for those delivery partners? And I think uh, one of the <laughs> biggest learning there is that you can pretty much virtualize anything, even something that should be in person. And, and, and people really liked to come to those little offices to really have a, a fast answer to their question. Even virtual answers would be also very helpful for them like uh, video calls or appointments and this kind of things. And really you you can learn that a lot of the customer support that we have, uh, even in the first place, we never thought that we could optimize it in this kind of ways and it forced us to do this and we realized that it's possible. So I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of line of businesses a lot of modalities that maybe we we for so long took for granted right and at the same time we know now that the world is changing and people are accepting these kind of changes and they are okay with it they can go with it and they are also very happy with the support we are providing them that's great
0: have there been any sort of trends or um maybe just kind of even the people that have now had to work from home rather than a central office, are you seeing anything different in their ability to deal with customer contacts or um, are they taking less time away from the phones, less sickness? Is there any of those trends that you're seeing?
1: I think so, yes. Uh, Overall, I would say the impact is very positive like you said, less sickness, less, uh, less absenteeism, etc. So that's the good part. And the other good part is, for example, now we will uh, soon it will be Ramadan, right? So we mm-hmm. need to plan for it. And we know that usually, at least when the people are coming to the office, there's a huge amount of absenteeism and they can only work a certain number of hours etc so we need to take that into account uh, and a lot of absenteeism of course but now we also know from last year that working from home this is a clear solution for all of them and there is almost no absenteeism they can really uh, take care of their, their everything they had to do yeah. on their own plus their work at the same time uh, in, a, in a much better fashion So I think it's a great improvement. The the only downside in a way is that, of course, it's technology. There can be a lot of problems, servers can go down and (laughs) and technical issues, but overall, yeah, I would say it's a a big plus. I think um, just talking to people
0: within the um, industry, one of the things specifically knowing, I was talking about um, chatting to you today, someone was asked me to ask you around that they're seeing in their centre and it's just a couple of centres not um, spread around Um, but they're they're kind of trying to get their head around the challenge of holidays so that they've seen people taking less holidays maybe because they're working at home and no one really knows certainly in the UK we don't know when we can plan really to be able to take holidays again is that something you're seeing from your position?
1: I think that's a very good point yes and I saw it to be honest I saw it also Uh, what we saw is that you know we have so the the rights part of the business and we also have the its part of the business if you follow the news of course you know that Right is impacted a lot by uh, by COVID, uh, especially the lockdowns, etc. But EATs on the other side is growing like a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot of those contacts uh, and a lot of those LOBs specifically on the EAT side were uh, growing and growing again and again and again. And we were sometimes lagging in staffing or we had some gaps. And of course, uh, I think there, there was this uh, kind of, way of not really checking with the with the different sites about this kind of things about what kind of vacation the agent needs to needs to take even if the lines are are crazy or you need of course to to plan this with the different sites and i think we forgot that a tiny bit uh, at least on on this side of the business on the right side yes we were planning it uh especially because uh, if we were carrying extra capacity, then we needed to do something about it. And and what else can we do? There's a lot of vacation, okay. <laughs> Pushing them to take vacation. And then of course, training them maybe on, on different lobbies, etc. So I think on one part of the business, we did that well. And on the other part of the business, there was maybe a, a lag and we, we catched up now. So now we are all caught up with that. And uh, but it's a great point. I think we we had a our reaction was maybe a bit late on this. Yes. But it's like you said earlier, it's this, this idea of continuous improvement is
0: you take that learning and then you think, okay, how how can we how can we take that and not only make sure we don't do it again, but how else can we apply some of the learnings elsewhere, right? Definitely,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, there's my doorbell. <laughs> 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 one of the challenges of working from home. Um, what else has kind of surprised you? or well, what are the, some of the learnings that you will take forward into the end of the pandemic that you think workforce management or some of the that, the real-time analysis and data, what will change in your techniques, do you think?
1: Um, overall, or just because of, uh, of COVID? Well, both. Both. Uh, overall, I, I would say that since, since like we said, it, it, it's, a, it's a circle, right? It's, a, it's an improvement uh, loop, feedback loop. I, I think the, the biggest challenge, usually, at least from what I see, is from a forecasting perspective. I think forecast is the foundation of WFM, right? Mm-hmm. How can we actually do the rest? How can we staff? How can we schedule if we do not have uh, proper visibility on what is going to happen? Uh, And I think there, there's still a lot of improvements to be had, uh, but at the same time, it's really having this kind of relationship with the, with the different stakeholders, at least our stakeholders, our internal stakeholders are pretty much responsible for uh, their own forecast on their side. And then of course we give our insights on what is happening on the ground, we check if it's correct or not. So um, I think if, if the forecast is good, then all our processes are really, really well in place already. And, and we know what we can also improve, but it's working perfectly. Uh, anytime there is a little miss or something is happening on a forecasting side, then of course, the, the repercussions can be quite huge in the end. And I think uh, having this kind of relationship with the people that are actually handling uh, forecasting is, is really, is really the best way to go. So we have a lot of discussions between ourselves. We, we really, I consider them also kind of one team. We, we are almost mm-hmm. one team. And I think that's the kind of relationship you want to really uh, push and secure in, in your organization or when you are doing uh, WFM. So that's for me, there's still a lot of improvement to be had there, but overall, that's uh, that's one of the, Biggest part I I always insist upon because it, everything falls after that. Uh, but then from a COVID perspective, I, I think the one of the like one of the big push we did at least was really push for more cross training, and I think that's really important. Like have your agent skill on way more than just one lob, one specific lob, one modality. So. If they can be cross-trained on, on different type of LOBs or even modalities, if the, they have the different profile, uh, then I think we, we really see the value of uh, slowly getting more and more of this in place. And the same for our different LOB setup. I think it's something that we improved a lot uh, over, over the, this period. Like, how do we set up exactly the work that we are sending to our partners in in the BPOs. Uh, Does it make sense? Uh, Are the team too small or are the team too big? What is happening with uh, different contact types that we're sending them? And I think the the whole setup uh, pretty much uh, needed a a little fix, especially with COVID and a lot of uh, contact types that were shifted uh, by the the pandemic. So uh, this for me is the, biggest learning of covid like cross train your agent make sure that you have a very good relationship with everyone involved in your forecasting process and yeah um always improve <laughs> i think that's uh, that, that's pretty much what i have in mind always i love those that's three great tips um cross train cross train
0: your agents to get greater flexibility of your where you can put people Um, develop strong stakeholder relationships and always improve those are great Um, just on the stakeholder and management and relationship building I guess it's something that perceptions are dangerous aren't they the perception sometimes you might have of WFM is that those aren't really the key parts of the the job but they really are aren't they and I guess as you progress as, as you've done they, do they become more and more important the stakeholder
1: relationships oh it does oh, for sure i, I think that's uh, uh, to be honest is one of the biggest part of uh, of my day at work uh, make sure that yes uh, all right for example i i see the, the forecast that is uh, coming to the bpos so i have a look at it i know that is it realistic or not why is it dropping that much so of course i reach out to the people uh, in charge of it and i check what is happening if they have an insight what is happening in their country uh, then i need to inform the different um, poc let's say in the in the bpos like all right so this is real it is going to happen so how can we make sure that we we close those gaps? Or or here we will have some of the staffing, so uh, we need some training. But for training, I also need to speak with my internal stakeholders about LND. Uh, is the training in place? Um, and m- I believe that most of my day is actually speaking to a lot of my colleagues and try to make sure to have all the answers. And the opposite is true. Usually they come to me when they have any kind of question for even the future of the market. Like, oh, okay, we want to uh, change uh, one LOB or we want to take one LOB that we actually handle internally, for example, in one of our uh, internal uh, contact center. And we want to push that to the BPO side. Um, Can you run the numbers very quick? And then I, I do that. And most of my day is, yeah, I think this is really uh, one of the one of the biggest skills that I have to display these days, for sure.
0: Does that um, just thinking about that? Then, when people come to you and say, "Dependent on your forecast or your numbers, they will or won't make a decision." Does that? Do you feel that pressure
1: that comes with that kind of responsibility? Of course, <laughs> I mean, uh, any kind of action that I'm taking, i'm I'm pretty much responsible, right uh, and and accountable for what I'm doing, what I'm saying to uh, the different BPOs, but also to to my different colleagues. Uh, yes, there there is a kind of pressure, but um, at the same time, I know that we are all working to make the best of it. Uh, so, we can make mistakes it's fine it's not um, it's not the end of the world i hope <laughs> um but overall yes there's a there's a margin for error um and it's still i would say when we have clear roles and responsibilities when we know which which person is actually responsible or accountable for different things different deliverables then it makes things much less stressful in the end because I know what I'm responsible to, um, yeah. and yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's the key takeaway. Like, if you know the clear boundaries of the different roles, the different uh, people involved, then the stress is not really there in the end. And and mistake is um, is always there. We can always learn from our mistakes. That's great.
0: Has the um, has the development of technology from a, um, just a scheduling, forecasting maybe, as that has advanced, does that mean that within your world and your um, the work that you do, does it mean that more of that becomes about your interpretation of data and understanding the kind of, so what, you know, the technology is telling me this, but what does that actually mean? And then, how you communicate that and how you use that to change or make um, decisions what I'm saying is is a tech as a tech have you seen technology advance to the point where it can do a lot of the work and then that means that your position and the roles that you do that's changed slightly
1: uh, In a way uh, uh, at least from my career I have not seen so many, uh, technological improvements, to be honest, on the WFM side, I, I know it, it's there. I know uh, there's a lot of uh, new tools and 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 suite of tools that are much better at, at, like you said, giving you something, and then WFM people have to interpret what the tool is actually telling them. It's not really the idea of uh, that I have because on our side usually. We have our own internal tools, especially in, in, in big companies like mm-hmm. booking.com or, or yeah. Uber. We develop our own tools. We have a specific uh, analytics team, you know, uh, analytics inside. So uh, if we need a dashboard build, if we need something built, then we can always reach out to those people and, and they can help us with that. So, but mostly internal. So that's why I'm like, yeah, not really. And at the same time, I know that we are pushing for it. Uh, like right now, uh, specifically in this uh, in this new role that I'm that I'm going to take, yes, we have big projects. Let's say about technology and how we handle uh, everything that currently we do for our BPOs, like how we present the different forecast and, and capacity plan, etc. So this is internal and. Of course, we we want to improve that too. And we want to build a a tool that is more modern on top of what we currently use. So I think it's there, Um, but at the same time, I'm not sure there's uh, one agreed upon big player that is actually taking a lot of the the market share, you know? So that's why you hear a lot of little stories of a lot of little tools uh, and it's very fragmented uh i remember when i was uh, so uh, working in the bpo uh, i was part of the team that actually uh, implemented aspect uh ewfm in the bpo uh so i loved it and i, I saw the value of, of a tool like that especially in a bpo but then in a big company that actually send their work to the bpos I, i'm not sure if the yeah. if the those kind of technology uh, is really that useful at least for now that's yeah. uh, maybe we need an extra layer on top of that you know in a way that's quite reassuring because it's kind of
0: it's kind of aligned with um conversations around technology in other areas whether that is just in telephony or speech analytics or uh, ivr or, or chatbots, whatever it's People know it's coming, they're thinking about it, maybe they've got projects to, to get it. But fundamentally, the principles and the kind of the, the skills of the people that are in these departments, that's first and foremost the most
1: important part. Yeah, and I think also what is hard is to just differentiate yourself from other competitors. I guess <laughs> let's say you, you want to launch a, a new WFM suite of tools. Uh, what else can you provide i mean the, of course ai is there there's a lot of you know, machine learning new models that probably make sense uh, but also i remember when i was working at, at booking.com i remember one of my colleagues that was uh, so in my team as a forecasting specialist. so Uh, huge math uh, genius let's say uh, extremely good with forecasting he was doing everything internally in in R, Python I helped him on that too and (laughs) he created this absolutely huge model uh, to forecast what kind of leads are going to come our way and at the same time uh, he was doing also another model that was very very simple almost like you know simple moving average and, and checking everything and in the grand scheme of things when it was checking the accuracy of both model uh, the winner was almost the the simpler model in the end mm-hmm. you know it's very simple yeah. to just do a lot of average and pretty much that will be almost as good as a huge machine learning model that will give you the same kind of result so innovation yes but at what price you know like yeah. what is uh, what is the what is the goal in the end is it to be a few percent more accurate, but have a very very complex tool that only a few person can deal with, or do we still continue with processes that are way more simpler, but at the same time uh, can be understood by uh, a lot more people? It's it's
0: great, and it? I like well, I like that kind of you've got someone who who is a like you say a mass genius, but comes back to. Maybe something sometimes is he's, he's got all this knowledge, but it's come back to something quite simple. It's kind of, um, it's, it's good, it's good to hear. For, for you, as I know you're interested in the industry as a whole, um, where, what, when you think about the future of customer contact, the future of um, contact centers, call centers, what, is it, what does it look like to you?
1: I think it, it, it comes down to um, be a lot more in touch with what the customer wants. Uh, At least what I see, and we are really trying to push for that also at Uber is uh, what makes sense for different markets as modality mix, for example. So other people really wanted to always call us or not, or is uh, a simple, um, let's say, email support enough, or, do they want the chat? Because we know that chat, for example, is going that crazy. People really like the chat. I love the chat, for example. If I have the choice to pick up my phone or actually chat with a customer super representative, I will probably use the chat. So yeah. I, I think to be in touch with that as a WFM is also, uh, as um, know, let's say customer service as a whole, right? Contact contact support. So. Yeah. I think that's really important, trying to figure out what the customer wants, how the customer wants to interact with us, which channel which channel should be the most important one. And then when we know that, what kind of improvement can we do uh, to the other channels? Because maybe they will be used less. So what do we do? Do we improve that? Like you said, maybe better IVRs or automated uh, phone service or or even automation on the email side because a lot of questions can be automated. So I think it's really uh, trying to, um, in a way, uh, get rid of as much interaction as possible, but at the same time, focus on really the important interaction. Only the interaction that really requires something a bit more in-depth should be handled exactly the way the customer wants. But for the rest, it should be more about Optimization, automation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's really I that. how I, I see the, the the moving forward. I love that because you're thinking about it's so the
0: focusing on the quality of the interaction is such a, such an important point. It's funny, isn't it? Because we, we call this a phone. But when it rings and it's a phone call, it it, it worries me. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to answer it. It's because I'm like you. All any time, I would choose if the chat is responsive and um, quick, helpful. I will always choose
1: chat. Always. Yeah. Also, like on the phone, I, I think like uh, if you were an agent at some point in your life. You have a, a different view of what is a phone call right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when your headset is is just ringing call after call, after call after call in the in the peak hours yes yeah. at some point you even in your personal life you're like no okay um i don't really like phone calls a hundred percent agree <laughs> with that a
0: hundred percent the the moment you've done one day on the phones, I think you're scarred for life, aren't you? You never never want to take a call again. (laughs) (laughs) And then when, um, for you personally, you kind of um, had this fascinating kind of journey and um, it's obvious you are a, a subject matter expert, but for people who might be thinking about going into um, WFM or maybe they've taken that first step what's the what are the important bits of advice that you would you would give them
1: I would say really like listen to (laughs) or try to get as much knowledge as you can from uh, people that are already in the field uh, like colleagues that are a bit more senior and can really uh, teach the ropes, uh, and I think there's also much more training available than when I started, for example. Um, uh, there's uh, also a, a lot of improvement on the, on the call center school uh, trainings, for example, but I know one of my colleagues uh, here at Uber uh, took it, uh, was extremely satisfied with it. And after that went on to be um, uh, certified, you know, by the Society of Workforce uh, Planning Professionals. So that's the proof, right? That the training is working. He learned also a lot from from us and and different uh, teammates in different teams. So I think the, in a way WFM uh, in, in its core is not the most complex. But then everything that is surrounding it and and how you how you interpret the data like you said etc and all this analytical work behind is really what makes you a subject matter on wfm or not so i think yeah learning a bit of analytics always helps uh, deep diving into some data uh, and then learning from uh, more seasoned professional in your own org that's it's still a field I believe where you learn from more senior people. Like there's mm-hmm. tips, there's tricks that you yeah. can teach, um, and yeah, different calculation or or different scenarios like for different modalities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think uh, when you get all of those kind of scenarios probably uh, understood, then the rest is more like you said, interpretation and deep diving, etc.
0: I imagine it's. When you think about it, it's a really appealing route for people because there's always going to be, no matter how the future looks in terms of how we, I say we, uh, customer contact and call centre professionals, how we interact with our customers, there's always going to be a requirement for WFM around that interaction, understanding it, reacting to it, forecasting it, regardless
1: of what that interaction looks like. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we we are here to stay, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Um, and and we will expand. Uh, that's uh, my feeling is really that uh, more and more we will be not seen only as okay. We need X people there and hire ten people here. You know, it's more about all right. What is the optimized setup? What do you recommend us? Like more of a an internal consultant kind of job. Uh, where really your opinion is valued. Um, People know that what you are providing is uh, not just better customer support, but also probably a a lot of potential savings or uh, how do you uh, interact with the different BPO's also from uh, billing or billing point of view, uh, how you can optimize that. Uh, And yeah, I I think it's more, uh, it's becoming more and more like, all right, We want to optimize our customer service as a whole and WFM is there to help us doing that.
0: Mm. And maybe that's how um, I've certainly changed my thinking around, I think if I could go back from some of the operational lead positions that I had, I would have utilized WFM far more around that optimization in terms of how can I make contact with the customers better as opposed to seeing it as a. Um, f- bit more functional you know kind of how, how, do, how are we okay just checking in rather than kind of this kind of forward thinking. Um, aspect definitely. What um, Frank. Excites you about Yana, kind of the role you're in right now, or when you look ahead to the rest of the year, um, and we all come out of we're all vaccinated and everyone's back to normal. Well, what does not what's normal going to look like for you? Do you think?
1: Well, <laughs> normal. Yes. What is the new normal? That's the one hundred million dollar question. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I would say the I'm I'm very looking forward, of course, to everything reopening. And I think the new normal for me at least will be and on the Uber side of the business, right? Not just WFM is when will we have like uh, a, an even better recovery on, on the right side, for example. So um, I know there's there at least a lot of things that are coming our way and it's going to be I really don't believe that there's going to be a lot of changes, even even when let's say everyone is vaccinated mm. and every everything reopens. Uh, we took some steps towards a lot of improvement, and like like you, like we said also like virtualization, uh, mm. getting more automation, etc. And and this is going this is not going anywhere, and anyway, we we are keeping it. Uh, it it's working really really well, and I think that's the new normal in a way, like just continuing to improve what we are doing to this new kind of world. Um, But I can still see, of course, a lot of of our call centers like getting our agent back on the floor as usual, or us coming back to the office. So it's uh, maybe a bit easier also to have some meetings with our own colleagues. And what I'm pretty much excited about would be traveling again of course, because uh, we were doing some visits in our different BBOs, right, Uh, like quite regularly and visiting them, uh, getting this kind of interaction with them, not just work, like it's work. And at the same time, we're taking uh, the time necessary to build some good relationship with them. And I think that at least will come back and all the rest will just um, pretty much follow upon what we build during Corona. Well, Frank
0: uh, St. Etienne, who Global WFM Process Lead at Uber, thanks very much for joining me, uh, for coming on. Um, It's always been great to interact with you about um, some of the other episodes, and I know you're a keen advocate of what the good in our industry, so thanks very much for that. Um, Thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you you very much for having me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Let's hope we can do another one face-to-face, but either in Amsterdam or London or another European city that would be great I would love that you are always welcome here brilliant I'll be there soon <laughs> <laughs> good thank you bye really hope you enjoyed that Frank has always been engaged with the podcast right from the start uh, he's a really interesting guy knows his stuff and is exactly the kind of person hopefully you've enjoyed um, listening to Thanks, as always, for your support of the podcast and listening. It really is appreciated just trying to let people know inside and outside the industry what a great industry the contact center world is. And it wouldn't be an episode without me reminding you of our link with Naomi House, Jack's Place. Currently, I am close to running 105 miles in March to raise £105. There's over 100 of us doing it. Naomi House and Jack's Place is a children's hospice in the south of England for children who have life-limited illnesses. It's an amazing place. It sounds like it would be quite a sad place, but if you listen to the podcast with Lucy, uh, you'll know it's lovely. Hopefully you get a chance to check it out. Um, Naomi House, uh, just search that on Google. You get the website. Um, And if you want to help or support, please, please do. It's not just always about donating um money so thanks a lot and stay safe everyone we're getting there we're coming out of the end of lockdown and hasn't the contact center industry done well so let's give ourselves a pat on the back we're not quite there yet but we're getting there all right take care everyone thanks Bye bye